This is Hoops Forum, a production of Radius Athletics and a Quick Time Out podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and I'm joined again this week by my co-host, Randy Sherman. Before we get into today's episode, a big thanks to our sponsors over at 323 Sports. We're speaking here primarily to basketball coaches, I know, but I know also that some of you are all coaching other sports, whether it's baseball, softball, lacrosse, football, volleyball, any of those sports. 323 Sports has equipment, gear, and uniforms for your sports teams. To find out more about what they can do for your athletic program, visit 323sports.com, or you can contact a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. We've been bouncing back and forth here at the end of the season with some X's and O's episodes and also some non-X's and O's episodes. We're going to do a series over the next few weeks here connected to the topic of ball screen offense. Randy, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the advantages of a ball screen offense, the easiest is creating an advantage for the ball handler, but there's a lot more to it. What are some of the advantages, in your opinion, of running ball screen offense? You watch NBA basketball, EuroLeague, college, whatever. I don't see anything that's that's as immediately effective as a ball screen for sort of like creating a little bit of disorganization in a defense. You know, if you get you get two on the ball, you get a third guy has to take the roller. You get you kind of just get the ball rolling. You get that advantage created really simply, straightforward out of a ball screen. In my opinion, better than any anything else that you know isn't just one guy breaking someone down with a dribble so as far as an action goes i think it's just like the quickest simplest easiest way to create some disorganization in the defense we've talked a little bit about ball screen offense and also Mm -hmm. ball screen defense by really breaking it down and not just for the two people that are on the basketball but also for things off the ball. And we'll show some of those in just a few moments. We do want to start at the beginning, though, which, as we've talked probably three or four episodes on, how can I transition this from my transition offense seamlessly into half court so that for a team that and a lot of coaches that listen to us are running something with pace and obviously the space that we've discussed as being so important, how can how can something like this spread ball screen seamlessly transition into our half court offense? Yeah, great question. I think kind of some ways I've done that as a coach would be to leave Main Street, the, the, the connection of the lane lines that would run right in the middle of the court, to leave that reserved for the big. Like here you see Scola here in, in, in the photo. So as you're transitioning, that middle lane of the court, what I call Main Street, that belongs to our big. Stay out of it. You other guys find a sideline like you see, like maybe you see two guys commonly running to the deep corners on, on either side. A third guy like kind of trailing one of those guys to form that double side like you see on our left up top in this screen, screenshot. The ball can come up either side in either alley and, and Main Street belongs to the big. So if you'll transition that way, you're just sort of naturally set up for your big that's that's transitioning in Main Street to find the ball either to his or her right or left and drag screen for it in transition. So within a few seconds of gaining possession, as you move, you create width and depth with your the three players outside of the ball screen. You're big and whoever's advancing the ball, get right into a ball screen off the break without having to call it, set it up, signal, head tap, chin or anything like that. Just go right into it. And then what are some of the things that can immediately either – hamper or kind of kill your ball screen offense in regards to spacing? In regards to spacing, I think what I see too often is is the, the, the guys outside 
the ball screen. So if you let's let's break it down like this: the ball screen is a two-player action, duh. Ball handler and screener. That leaves three players outside of the action, and if they don't find width and depth, then it it kind of makes makes um, you know kind of makes creating an advantage, rolling to the basket, getting downhill, all that more challenging because we didn't find width and depth. Here's an example you have on the screen. I think this is. This is an old screenshot from the 2016 Olympics. So um, this is Argentina in the white and blue uniforms. Yeah, what I don't like here is like that wing, instead of being down at rim depth in the corner, he's up. So if the ball handler is, if we did our job, we set a good solid screen, we're kind of drive past the big, well, I'm kind of clogging that space by not being all the way down into that deep corner. I'm almost in effect guarding my own teammate by pulling my defender up, up off of the uh, baseline into that space that he's trying to attack. So I think the biggest thing is those guys outside the ball screen, find width, find depth. Let's let's get maximum space away from the ball screen. So if we do break the defense with a drive or a roll, like whoever's got to come in and collapse has to go a long way and they have to go a long way back. So yeah, here's an improvement from Argentina where the there's much greater, almost the same situation, but now you can see that the the wing is is more at rim depth, so when the guy does get downhill off the ball screen, he's got more space to attack the ball hand. Coaches will often ask me, you know, how do I improve my ball screen offense, and where do I have my players look mm-hmm. when they're coming off of that ball screen? And most are looking in front of them to that guy in the corner, but even in the bottom right-hand corner that we see here, I, mm-hmm. I found that you're usually the most often the biggest advantage for a shooter at least is happening behind the action because if you teach your big guy to roll which will show variation of that uh, Mm -hmm. pop option as well but if he rolls hard then you have in this case number 29 is the guy that ends up on the backside with somebody with a really long closeout and if it's a help the helper situation then you can just one more down to the corner for a wide open shot my point is is that none of that happens if you start with frame number one yeah, you're just plugged up, you know, and and the space and the uh, the sort of the dilemma that you're hoping to put the defense in just isn't there if you're if you don't find width and depth. Yeah, yeah, and you're you you're even, spot on too. Like the guy behind the action is often the beneficiary, right? I want people just to think because they 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 do frequently think it's just for the two people involved in the action. The guy setting the screen, the guy coming off the screen, and the other guys are, well, if they if they get open for a wide open shot, there's so many more potential dominoes if you start with the right spacing and then move right off of that, I guess. Yeah, the, point. it's all the details, right? It's it's all the details go into the whole, the whole thing. Everything from screening angle to getting the on-ball defender to go over. If that doesn't happen, then we don't get the domino of someone outside of the ball screen having to tag a roller or help on a drive. So it's simple but complex, right? So it's simple in just spacing and design and intricacy, but it's complex in that the details of it sort of need to go right in order for to get the uh, to get that advantage that we're hoping to gain from using this action. Aside from the spacing, I would assume that the thing that kind of triggers everything else is just how the screen is set and the details of that. And it's a little bit more involved than mm-hmm. just running up and finding an offensive player or, excuse me, a defender guarding the guy with the ball and, and just setting a screen. These are some old screenshots. You can see this is another Olympic event or an international event of some kind. But uh, 
this is a classic. I mean, you, you watch an NBA game. Well, not tonight because they're on all-star break, but watch some from last night and you see this exact thing. Might be some false motion get to it. Might be drag and transition, but like this is offense 101. The number one priority for me when I when I coach this and talk about this, the number one pri- priority is to get the on-ball defender to go over the screen. And you asked about screening angle. I kind of tried to have that drawn here. I call it screening the back pocket of the on-ball defender. Imagine he was wearing, you know, some jeans or something that had a, a back pocket on, on it. That's what I'm aiming for when I'm the screener. So I'm micro adjusting my angle to get that back pocket that I can see as I approach the screen. So he has to go over it. I guess vocabulary, if you will, you know, closest to us is the single side. Furthest from us is the double side, one player, single side, two player, double side. So it's important to kind of like when we're when I have a conversation about ball screen and spread ball screen is where, which direction is the ball screen headed toward the single gap? I'm sort toward the single side or toward the double side or those things like that matter. But um, yeah, so the screening angle is important. And again, approaching it from the standpoint of what's our objective here? What are we actually wanting to happen? We want the defense to go over the screen. And that that's how you coach your big to sit the screening angle. You know, like if you're just parallel to one of the sidelines and don't have like a slight angle catching that back pocket, it's almost like you're scooping the player. If you're parallel, it's like it's just too easy to slide under. You kind of got a little subtle angle to, to, to make him want to go over it. I'm surprised that even the D1 level – it's apparent that this is not taught or it's rushed and yeah. there's no advantage. And so it's almost like a waste of, we just wasted two or three seconds running and pretending like we're setting a screen because after the screen was set, everything's neutral again. So I think just that, you know, that micro detail right there mm-hmm. can be the difference between you playing five on four versus completely neutral. And you got to start all over. I think that's a big a great point and a big part of why so many ball screens are ineffective is it's just it's just you know kind of like slowing down at the point of attack and reading the defense and taking the time to get sit sit your man up. You know, you watch Chris Paul play, he's a master at it. He'll you get the get the dribble where he wants it to get Aiton or whoever's coming out to get you know right where he wants him. And and yeah, you got a 24 second shot clock, but you play slow so that when the action actually transpires, bam, we now we play fast and, and we, we react to our decision fast. And we and because the screen was actually effective instead of just playing fast and really seeing nothing. All right. So we alluded to this, but I think the common misconception is it's basically involving the four people in the action, the two offensive player and the two defensive player. And the other guys just kind of hang out until maybe something's something's created for them. Mm-hmm. Talk about those those three amigos and then also some of the potential things that you can do to make your spread ball screen offense a little bit more difficult to guard for the defense. Yeah, three amigos, little nickname for the three players outside of the outside of the ball screen. And I do think, you know, you just touched on it a moment ago when you said like at the lower levels of play, college, high school, it really is kind of a two-man action because we don't have the skill to be calm and see and assess. So we're just boom, right off the ball screen, right? And and really, we don't see the coverage where you watch like Chris Paul, Luka Doncic, the people, you know, up up the levels of play. It's more of a four, three, a three, four, even five-player action because this one little catalyst of the possession, the ball screen, and then as I'm coming off of it, I'm assessing who's got the roller, where'd the tag come from, who's, 
you know, what, who stopped me from getting downhill? All those are questions that players are able to process to, to sort of now bring it into to a more of a three, four, five player action. So you asked about the three players outside the action. The first thing when I taught this was, was we didn't really move much outside of the ball screen initially. We got three guys like you see here to get maximum space on the double side. We call that holding the sideline on the single side. Same thing, rim depth, holding the sideline. I don't want you standing up on the three-point arc. We're trying to create maximum width and depth. So this ball screen in the middle third of the court, when he breaks the defense with the roll, now we got now we've got some things to read. We've got defensive decisions that have to take place, and based on those, we kind of know what should happen. So, so the main thing I want the three guys outside of the ball screen looking at, I want them still while learning, to so they so they can watch their man, watch your man, not the ball, not the ball screen, watch the guy guarding you, and look for any opportunity. Did my guy tag the roller? Did my guy help on the drive? Is my guy the likely suspect to help on the, on the downhill drive? So like, you know, if this is a screenshot, but if this is a video, the screener, if he rolls out of that screen and sort of rolls down this lane line nearest to us, that would force that guy behind the ball screen, the defender, to tag him, to take that roller. And that's what that guy in the single side corner is looking at. Like, watch your man. He'll tell you what to do. If he goes in to tag, I'm going to shake up out of the corner. And the ball handler, you know, we got to be on the same page like quarterback and receiver. So when he comes off that ball screen, who's got the roller? Who takes the roller? That'll tell you everything if you're the ball handler. Who takes the roller? Is it the guy back here? Is it the low guy on the double side? Like all of those things we've got. It's like it's like a flow chart of questions that we're at. We're having to answer it like hyperspeed. And some things you can do outside of the ball screen is you can manipulate who's going to, you know, if you kind of know who's going to tag the roller, you can manipulate that. Or you can you can increase space. Like, say, in this screenshot, if this guy's coming to his left off the ball screen in toward that double side, well, that's not as much space that's on the single side. So we could, we could twirl. We could, you know, the guy on the high wing could run to the corner on his side. The guy on the corner could run baseline. And the guy on the single side lift up. And we move more space in front of the attack. And now we put the, the guys who are having to do, tag roll, who's got who's going to stop ball, who's going to help, that we put them in motion and that becomes more complex task. We could screen on the double side, like flare screen and run the guy on the high wing to the corner, the guy from the in the deep corner on the double side, screen this guy who's standing here on the elbow. And, and as the guy coming off the ball screen, just throw him open to the corner off the flare screen, things like that. But yeah. while learning, what I wanted was our players – the first thing I want the three amigos to learn is get width, get depth, watch your defender to see what opportunities their defensive coverage might present for you. And it might just be, hey, I just he tags in or he helps in to stop the roll and I just catch and shoot, right? That's what I want them to train their eyes on their defender and how they respond to the action. Yeah, I mean, look, even at the top right-hand corner there, probably telling that guy to go burn cut because his man's staring right at the basketball. I'm not sure if that's mm-hmm. how the play ended, but yeah, we'll come back to, we'll come back to this. Let's talk here though. Just that we kind of want to give them a little bit of a, of a tease to what we're going to be talking about next week and some of the mm-hmm. things that you can do out of it. And to your point, um, you know, what can the guy with the ball do as far as reading his defender? As we just mentioned, what can the guys off the ball do when it comes to reading their defender just this week though, we're going to talk about the twist. Yeah. This is one that, you know, watch 
started watching a lot of European basketball five or six years ago. And I started seeing it's almost like an automatic. Anytime we set the spread ball screen and the on-ball defender goes under the screen, which you're going to see here, it's going to play on a loop. So you'll see it as I'm talking over and over again. Watch the guy guarding the ball handler. He goes under. I started to see, this is commonplace now, but five or six years ago, I was really only seeing it as an automatic in European. And now it's pretty, it's commonplace in the NBA. You know, again, what I said a moment ago, what's our number one objective? I want the on-ball defender to go over the screen. Did they? No. So let's rescreen it. Just think of it like this. If, if the mission is to create an advantage for the ball handler and the guy goes under and just meets me on the other side, did we accomplish that? No. So rescreen. If at first you don't succeed, try again, right? Like, like you didn't, you didn't get him. He went under it. Now let's get it, give a second attempt, catch the back pocket on the other side. And now we'll induce that over. And what you see here is it goes under patience, patience brings it back. We get the back pocket. Now we get the over and we're coming back toward the single side where there's more space. Um, what I don't like here is the guy in the corner, just, you know, he kind of is, moving around he wants to cut and he and he almost like sabotages the action by not just holding but he's anticipating having to shake up but he sees the rescreen and he wants you know wants to get back but doesn't set it doesn't end up sabotaging the shot opportunity but yeah um the twist would just be like something you could teach your bigs and the guards as a as a way to make sure we create a downhill advantage is it automatic they go under i'm rescreening you're big. They see it. I'm coming to approach the guy who's screening. He's either going to, you know, attach to the ball handler and try to beat, beat, you know, beat me over it, or he's going to drop and go under. As soon as I see that, I'm saying twist, twist, twist. And I, I talk it and tell it to the ball handler. So he'll slow down like he goes behind the back, but it could be a crossover and bring it back to the other side and rescreen it. I do like even the guy that almost sabotaged the play. At least he had the wherewithal to pull behind the action on the shake. Yep, absolutely. And then as the ball came back to him, he did push away from it. He didn't really yeah, know he, exactly he where to go. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he did ruin it to your point. I think, too, this puts a lot of pressure on teams now that are dropping in their ball screen coverage because the big can usually drop the first time and kind of close off the lane. But as you saw just in the clip there, they're mm -hmm. usually not fast enough to get back to the other side and plug the lane again. And so that's when you usually end up with a two on one and opportunity to score like he just did. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is a simple if then thing that I really think even players at lower levels can learn. Like if I'm the screener, if then does the, if the ball handlers defender drops and goes under, then I'm rescreening. <laughs> if he stays attached and tries to kind of beat me over the top mission accomplished. Cool. I'm going to just roll and we get the downhill penetration. Right. Yeah. What are some of the main actions or things that you can do? What would be the next progression then of reads in the ball screen offense? The next progression of reads would be let's get great at throwing behind it. You know, when we start to unpack who tags our roller, whether that's um, behind or in front of the action. Next progressions too would be let's run it at speed and transition. The third thing I think would be a good progression for our conversation would be how do we disguise it? You know, maybe we start a possession with a dead ball. We're, we're, we, our main tenet of our offense is spread ball screen, but, you know, we want to kind of hide it behind a little movement or a little some false motion or false action that all of a sudden, you know, looks like they're running something else. But then all of a sudden, boom, it just takes shape into spread ball screen. And we're doing the same thing, but it's not as straightforward and 
I think that'd be a good discussion. So those three things is start to start to, um, you know, look at reading who's behind the action and, and the opportunities that generally presents. Let's run it in transition. And then let's let's look at some entries into spread ball screen instead of just a simple drag or a simple walk it up and and run out ball screen or something like that. Man, a ton of great teaching points. I'm going to go back and, and take some notes on that, yeah. especially as now we move into I know some teams are already moving into the off, off season. And these are things that you can work on in a small group workout or with two guys in the gym. You can jump in and, and teach them to read a, a ball screen mm-hmm. and just building that out from the ball. We've talked about that from the defensive side, but just building those out and those those teaching points and, and really constructing your offense piece by piece um, and you know teaching guys where to go, where to look. I think the perception of everything is underrated when it comes to being able to teach and play as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this can really help with that. So awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah. All right. This last segment presented by Sideline Interactive, we call it Beyond the Scoreboard, connected to the emails that we send out. Randy and I both send out regular emails to our subscribers. And Randy, this week's email that you sent out topic was something connected to what we talked about today. I've sent out two recently since we talked last. I did a Beyond the Scoreboard special called One Word, where I had, you know, coaches sort of, you know, give me the one word they'd like to see their team described with and and i kind of turned those responses into some content and i also kind of on the topic we talked about today this week i sent out more of an x's and o's related thing on picking pops out of spread ball screen formation so if you're interested in checking out either one of those go to radiusathletics.substack.com and you'll find them both there Um, most of what we looked at in video today was the the screener rolling but they could pop as well and that presents unlocks and presents another whole chapter to spread ball screen offenses when we when we pop but don't roll and that that that's another uh, topic altogether but yeah so i think the beyond the scoreboard topic for the week was the one word which uh, i thought i got some interesting replies and turned it into some good stuff so yeah check it out yeah, we'll need to talk about that a little bit later on. Appreciate all of you who joined us this week. If you missed any part of the show, you can go back and watch the full episode on the Radius Athletics YouTube page. If you're more of a podcast person, just simply search a quick timeout, and there you'll find the audio version of the show. For Randy Sherman, I'm Tony Miller. We'll talk to you again next week on Hoops Forum.